If we turn in our Bibles to Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, this is just one verse that we'll use as a springboard. This is the Apostle Paul, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If I had to put a title on this, I would just say, Knowing Christ More Intimately. Knowing Christ More Intimately. The Apostle Paul had this desire to know him. Now, of course, the Apostle Paul knew the Lord, as we, I would say, know the Lord. But the, the, the great desire of his heart as I hope it is with our heart, I know it is with me, is that I might know him more, more intimately, not just more here, by the way, more facts and details and and things we can memorize and regurgitate, but we want to actually know him. How do we actually know him more intimately? How did the Apostle Paul know him? How does this desire, this prayer get answered? Well, I would like to suggest that there are three ways that we can know Christ more intimately. The first way is by his prayers. I've often thought that sometimes the best way to know any individual better is to actually pray with them. Isn't that true? I mean, you can know people on on a certain level But when you start to pray with individuals, as we have been praying together now for some time, 760 days, I think that there's a a deeper level of knowledge that we have of one another. Because prayer is a very intimate thing. And maybe this is one of the reasons why it's so difficult to get people to pray together, because it it requires a, a certain humbling there's an exposing of our of our heart and sometimes uh, the point just being that the best way often to really get to know an individual is to pray with them well the same could be said about the lord jesus could it not can you imagine i mean we're in a prayer meeting here and it's it's wonderful to be able to pray together with god's people but can you imagine being in a prayer meeting with the 12 with Jesus. So around a table like this and the the disciples are there and Jesus is there and it's a prayer meeting. Now that would be quite the thing. Well, can you imagine what it must have been like to be with Jesus in the prayer meeting of all prayer meetings? when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, not all 12 were there. Just the three, Peter, James, and John. He was offering prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears. Have you been in a prayer meeting where um, where folks had the the liberty of the Holy Spirit and they would be offering up their prayers with strong crying and tears. I have. It's one of the most heavenly things. It really is. It can't be manufactured, by the way. But the Lord Jesus was in the garden praying. And wouldn't you have just loved to have been there listening to him? 
Luke 22:44 said, "And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground." What a prayer meeting it must have been. <clears throat> but mercifully, this is the point. The Lord has actually given us some insight into the prayer of Christ in that very garden. Isn't that amazing? Of all the prayers that Jesus prayed, we have a record of what he prayed in John chapter 17. And if you read John chapter 17, it gives you intimate insight into what was on his heart right before he was to be crucified. He was praying for us. He was praying for unity of his people, that they might be one, that they might know the Father, and that the world might know that Christ was sent from the Father because of the love that they have. One, He was praying for us. We can know Christ more intimately by his prayers. So I would encourage you, especially during this season, not just the season, of course, but I would encourage you to peer into the prayers of Christ by reading John 17. You can know Christ more intimately by his prayers. <clears throat> the second thing I'll say <clears throat> is that you can know folks more intimately, anyone, but you can know Christ more intimately by his thoughts. Now, this is, this is one that I want to be very careful about because we don't want to get into all speculation. But <clears throat> think about it. This, what happened at the cross, now we're going from Gethsemane to Golgotha, and him hanging on the cross. Jesus was there in a point in time. He was nailed to a cross. He was lifted up in shame and in agony. <clears throat> this is, I would say, if I can say it with all meaning, this was the most sacred, the most holy, the most important moment in all of human history. The, the moment I mean, there is no greater moment than this. This is the apex of redemptive history. It's the apex of human history. I would say it's the apex of all history. This moment, right there on the cross. This is, this is the reason why Jesus came at all. This is the reason why Jesus was born for this moment. It's the fulfillment of every promise. It's the fulfillment of every prophecy, of, really of every page in Scripture itself. This is the moment. And as he's hanging there on the cross for hours, what was going through the mind of Jesus at this very moment in time? What were his thoughts? 
Obviously, the answer to all this is no, but I'm just going to ask these rhetorical questions. Was he overcome with fear, with discouragement, despair, or even anger, as was the case of the malefactors on either side of him? They were, you know, sometimes when people are in a state like that, you would think that anger would be the last thing in the human emotion, but there were there was anger on the part of those malefactors. No. Jesus was not feeling any of that. But we can actually know Christ more intimately, I say this very reverently, by probing into his thoughts during the most critical moment in all of human history. Now how can we how can I say this? How can I I suggest even such a thing? Well, in Matthew 27:46 it says, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, "Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani?" That is to say, "My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me?" Now, what was Jesus doing by uh, crying that statement? He was quoting scripture. Of course, this was the expression of his heart, yes, but he was actually quoting. He wasn't going to say, turn to Psalm 22. They didn't have it like that back then. When people wanted to refer to parts of the Bible, they would just start quoting the Bible. And he was quoting Psalm 22. And I suppose, in essence, you could say he was, yes, expressing his own heart in the words of Psalm 22, but also for all of human history, he was telling his people, look to Psalm 22. It's a clue. Look to Psalm 22. So, I don't think it's a stretch to say that if he's quoting Psalm 22, he's also thinking Psalm 22, the whole psalm. And it makes a lot of sense that he would be doing that because that psalm is a messianic psalm and it's foretelling the details of the crucifixion. It's really amazing. If you, if you take the time to read Psalm 22, and you think of it in terms of Christ on the cross and what he himself quoted and was thinking, probably going through the rest of the psalm in his mind. It makes a lot of sense. I am a worm and no man. Imagine Christ saying that or thinking that. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shake their head saying he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. This is all happening. Be not far from me, for trouble is near. There is none to help the prayer of Christ. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. 
My tongue cleaveth to my jaws. Thou hast brought me into the dust of death. They pierced my hands and my feet. They look and stare upon me. They're looking at me. They're gaping at me. They part my garments. But be not thou far from me, O Lord. O my strength, haste thee to help me. This is Christ. He's thinking this. He's praying this while on the cross. Save me from the lion's mouth. And then it takes a turn, you see. It's not just this this, uh, almost like a defeated man. The turn is here. And this is what is so encouraging. This is what makes Christ the captain of our salvation. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. That's the note of victory. He's on the cross, remember. And he's thinking this. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. He's thinking of his people. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. But when he heard, when he cried unto him, he heard, My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. And on and on it goes. It goes on to say that the kingdom is the Lord's. He is the governor among the nations. At the end, they shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born, that he hath done this. God hath done this. He wasn't there because of the Romans or because of the Jews. The Lord has done all of it. God is in total control. All that to say that we can know Christ more intimately by his thoughts at that most critical time in history. And it's wonderful. He was in victory mode even on the cross. One final way that we can know Christ more intimately are by his words. So this is now after the crucifixion, and this is after the resurrection, and we go to the scene of those two on the road to Emmaus. And these two were involved in a private conversation. And just like prayers, as I said at the beginning, that we can know people more intimately, we can know people more intimately through private conversation. You can listen to a lecture, you can listen to teaching and even preaching, but there's nothing quite like one-on-one talking with someone and getting to know the real person one-on-one. Well, these two, they were walking along the road. It came to pass that while they communed together, Luke 24, and reasoned together, Jesus himself drew near. Isn't that the greatest thing ever? And he said, What manner of communication are these that ye have one to another as you walk and are sad? As we walk along life's road, friends, and we have a communion one with another, the best thing ever 
is when Jesus draws alongside of us and just starts talking with us. And of course, as the rest of it goes, Jesus mildly rebukes them and says, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses, here we go, and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Later on, the disciples said, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? If we could be a fly on the wall of their conversation, what would we hear? Wouldn't you like to know? People have often said, I would love to have been there. It was the greatest Bible study. And yes, I'm sure it was. But you know, we can know. Because what Christ did, we have access. What did he do? He opened the Bible and he started to read and expound and explain and show, beginning at Moses, going through the tabernacle, look at all the pieces, how they talk about Christ. Look at the sacrificial system, how every detail talks about Christ. Look at even the laws, those obscure laws that we like to pass over, how they show us different angles about the Lord Jesus. It all speaks of him. Wouldn't you like to have been there in that conversation? You can. Just open your Bible and start reading. It's said of Augustine that uh, what started him down the road of his conversion was hearing a group of children sing these Latin words, tole lege, tole lege. Take up and read, take up and read, take up and read. And he, he did that. He started reading. I believe it was in the book of Romans, I could be wrong, where he read and he was ultimately converted. Take up and read. Friends, we can know Christ more intimately through his word. And I want to encourage you. I go, from, I go for walks most mornings. I didn't today. It's raining. But I go for walks most mornings. And I take, I take a copy of the, not the whole Bible, just a, a little bit of it. It's just a, a printout of the Bible. I can't encourage you enough to just read the Bible. And don't feel like you have to read in a certain area in order to get something out of it. I mean, sure, like if if there are various areas that you'd like to go, I'm not saying you can't do that, but sometimes you feel like, oh, I'm in the book of the laws here in, uh, you know, Numbers or Leviticus. I'm not going to get much out of this. Let me hurry up to some other part. Every part, wherever you open, let me just say this, wherever you open the Bible, Christ is speaking to you. They're all the words of Christ. And so we can know Christ more intimately, just like the disciples did, by his words. So by his prayers, by his thoughts, and by his words. Knowing Christ more intimately.